This is day 146 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Isaiah chapters 47 through 51. Father, may your name be high and lifted up today. May it be exalted in our hearts and on the earth. This earth that needs to hear your word so badly, that is so wayward and so lost. Lord, that you may bring salvation and revival and deliverance to these people that don't even know what they're doing. They don't understand the severity of their sin, the weight of it, how drastic their life is going to be at the end, how dire their situation is. They have no idea. And yet, you have given us your word, Lord, and that you've asked us to spread this word to those who need to hear it so that they understand the significance of their situation. Lord God, help us to be those voices, and may our hearts not be stubborn towards you. May we be receptive to your word and long for it every day. Please bless the reading of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne. O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil. Strip off the skirt. Uncover the leg. Cross the rivers. Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame also will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man. Our Redeemer the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit silently and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you will no longer be called the Queen of Kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage and gave them into your hand. You did not show mercy to them. On the aged you made their yoke very heavy. Yet you said, I will be a queen forever. These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. Now then, hear this, you sensual one, who dwells securely, who says in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. I will not sit as a widow, nor no loss of children. But these two things will come on you suddenly, in one day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come on you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries, in spite of the great power of your spells. You felt secure in your wickedness, and said, No one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. For you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. But evil will come on you, which you will not know how to charm away and disaster will fall on you, for which you cannot atone. And destruction about which you do not know will come on you suddenly. Stand fast now in your spells and in your many sorceries, with which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you may cause trembling. You are wearied with your many counsels. Let now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict by the new moons, stand up and save you from what will come upon you. Behold, they have become like stubble. Fire burns them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There will be no coal to warm by, nor a fire to sit before. So have those become to you with whom you have labored who have trafficked with you from your youth. Each has wandered in his own way. There is none to save you. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are named Israel, and who came forth from the loins of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. For they call themselves after the holy city, and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
I declared the former things long ago, and they went forth from my mouth, and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. Because I know that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew, and your forehead bronze, therefore I declared them to you long ago. Before they took place, I proclaimed them to you, so that you would not say, My idol has done them, and my graven image and my molten image have commanded them. You have heard, look at all this, and you, will you not declare it? I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. They are created now, and not long ago, and before today, you have not heard them, so that you will not say, Behold, I knew them. You have not heard, you have not known. Even from long ago, your ear has not been open, because I knew that you would deal very treacherously, and you have been called a rebel from birth. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath, and for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned, and my glory I will not give to another? Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. Assemble, all of you, and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon and his arm will be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Indeed, I have called him. I have brought him, and he will make his ways successful. Come near to me, listen to me. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand, and your offspring like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from my presence. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. Declare with the sound of joyful shouting, proclaim this. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made the water flow out of the rock for them. He split the rock, and the water gushed forth. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he has concealed me, and he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord and my reward with my God. 
And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see and arise, princes will also bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, In a favorable time I have answered you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you, and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people, to restore the land, to make them inherit the desolate heritages, saying to those who are bound, Go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Along their roads they will feed, and their pasture will be on all bare heights. They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them, and will guide them to springs of water. I will make all my mountains a road and my highways will be lifted up. Behold, these will come from afar, and lo, these will come from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will give compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry, your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together, they come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you will surely put on all of them as jewels and bind them on as a bride. For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land, surely now, you will be too cramped for the inhabitants, and those who swallowed you will be far away. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, The place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live here. Then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children and am barren, an exile, and a wanderer. And who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, and set up my standard to the peoples. And they will bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians and their princesses your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man, or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away, and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. 
for I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons. I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh, and they will become drunk with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent your mother away? Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, you were sold for your iniquities, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why was there no man when I came? When I called, why was there none to answer? Is my hand so short that it cannot ransom? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, I dry up the sea with my rebuke. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire, and among the brands you have set ablaze. This you will have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And her wilderness he will make like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sound of a melody. Pay attention to me, O my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for a law will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me, and for my arm they will wait expectantly. Lift up your eyes to the sky, then look to the earth beneath, for the sky will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not wane. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, a people in whose heart is my law. 
do not fear the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them like a garment, and the grub will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, and everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, and of the Son of Man who is made like grass? that you have forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor, as he makes ready to destroy. But where is the fury of the oppressor? The exile will soon be set free and will not die in the dungeon, nor will his bread be lacking. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in your mouth, and have covered you with the shadow of my hand, to establish the heavens, to found the earth, and to say to Zion, You are my people. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs, there is none to guide her among all the sons she has borne, nor is there one to take her by the hand among all the sons she has reared. These two things have befallen you. Who will mourn for you? The devastation and destruction famine and sword, how shall I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie helpless at the head of every street, like an antelope in a net, full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says the Lord, the Lord, even your God, who contends for his people. Behold, I have taken out of your hand the cup of reeling, the chalice of my anger. You will never drink it again. I will put it into the hand of your tormentors, who have said to you, Lie down, that we may walk over you. You have even made your back like the ground, and like the street for those who walk over it. Okay, very interesting stuff that we read today. First off, let me say that I woke up feeling much improved from the previous day, and I have most of my energy back, so praise God for that. And if you had been praying for me, I appreciate it. Chapter 47 of what we read today is part two of the judgment against Babylon. 46 was the beginning of it, now 47 is the end of it. So. It shows how the nation of Babylon is going to be utterly wiped out. Some of this language will look familiar from the book of Revelation because it'll talk about the core of Babylon. But at the same time, the original Babylon no longer exists. Babylon is in the general area of what is today modern day Iraq. And if we know the terrain of that area, it is not as majestic as Babylon used to be. So this is 
in the especially in the book of Revelation, it's not going to be talking about the Babylon like we see here at this time period. It's going to talk about something that is going to be in the future that is basically the second advent of Babylon. And there's a lot of speculation as to what that would be, but personally, I my conviction is that it is the Roman Catholic Church. And so if you haven't listened to my study on Roman Catholicism, I highly recommend you do, because it is important to know how dark and dangerous that religion is. It is not Christianity, not even close. So be very careful with what you listen to. Chapter 48 is a chapter that is introducing how Judah, the faithful group that God is going to protect, is going to be released and rescued from Babylon after so many decades. He's going to use the name Israel here, but he's talking about Judah. Because if you recall from some of the other chapters that talked about the northern kingdom of Israel being taken over by Assyria, he's basically given them up. We haven't reached him yet, but a good book that talks about how God basically divorced the northern kingdom of Israel is the book of Hosea. Hosea's chapter 1 and 3 are very good with that, talking about in great detail that you are no longer my people, that he has basically given up on them because they refuse to listen to him. But yet he has spared Judah because there's still hope in them. But not only that, but he also has promised that he would preserve a remnant, which he always does. And he also needs to fulfill the line of David to reach the Messiah. So all of that is for his name's sake. He doesn't just do it for his people, but his primary reason why he does things is for his own sake. You see this language he uses quite often. God uses this language quite often when he gives his reasons why he does things a certain way. He mentions that it's for his name's sake. He will not allow his name to be profaned. Chapter 48, verse 1, shows the state of Judah and Israel's problem. What is it that caused them to not be faithful to God? Because it says here that you came forth from the loins of Judah, you swear by the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel but not in truth nor in righteousness. Hmm, what does that mean? They use the name of God, but yet they don't do it the right way. Almost as if it was superficial. Doesn't that sound like fake religion? Doesn't that sound like a self-serving religion? Where you're practicing idolatry, and yet you use the name of God as if you have a close relationship with him? That is dangerous. That is extremely dangerous, and that we should not be that way. Because if your empty religion is where you are living your life at, it will not fulfill you, and it does not honor God in any way. It is not simply okay to just like people and be kind to people, and that's what it means to be a Christian. It's not even close and that's what the world has tried to convince you. I read an article the other day about that very thing, about how in droves, especially young men, are leaving the church. Because in many ways, Christianity has been feminized. And not that women are the problem, but it's the way that we are not equipping men to be solid Christian people. And that's part of the reason why I do this podcast. Because there are so many people that don't really understand what it truly means to be a Christian. And it requires more than just being nice to people. It's more than that. It's much more than that. And while the relationship with God is important, the religion is also important. Meaning that all the things that God has said in his word, all the expectations he has for us, it's not a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with God. It's not just a set of rules we have to follow. 
there's much more to it than that. And we need to understand that so that we can be proper Christians and contend for the faith like our lives depend on it. The world is in the state that it is, I partially think, because the church has not done anything about it. And the church is really was established to be the force that would preserve morality in the world. And I think as a church in general, we have failed to do that. And we can see that as well in what God is saying in chapter 48. Look at verse 4. Because I know that you are obstinate, your neck is like an iron sinew, and your forehead bronze. That idea that if your body is made of metal, you're just so stubborn, you're so stiff-necked, immovable, you just refuse to look at God to do these things. And then it says in verse 11, like I was saying before, for my own sake, for my own sake, he says it twice on purpose, again, because that's how serious he's taking this, I will act. For how can my name be profaned? And my glory I will not give to another. God doesn't like to share. God himself declared in the book of Exodus that he is a jealous God, meaning that he does not share his glory with others. So we know that both Israel and Judah at this time, and even in the world today, so much evil is going on. Why didn't God just wipe them out? He mentions that in verse 9, For the sake of my name I delay my wrath, and for my praise I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. He doesn't want anybody to suffer. He doesn't want anybody to die. He doesn't want anybody to resist him. He wants all to come to repentance. By our standards, he waits such a long time because he wants all people who belong to him to repent. Verse 12 is yet another time where we see this. I am the first and I am the last. Jesus Christ is going to say the same thing in the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. This is not anything new. This has been declared long before. Now, here is something that is absolutely fascinating. If you look at verses 15 and 16, look what it says here. I, even I, have spoken. Indeed, I have called him. I have brought him, and he will make his ways successful. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Babylon, because if you look in verse 14, it says, Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them have declared these things? The Lord loves him. He will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon, and his arm will be against the Chaldeans. But then it goes into verse 16, which is very interesting. You see the Trinity here. Come near to me. Listen to this. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. So we can extrapolate from this that this is Jesus Christ speaking at this point, the pre-incarnate Christ. He's here. We see a glimpse of the Trinity because it says the Lord God, the Father, has sent me, the Son, and his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Fascinating. You see this glimpse in the Old Testament that the Trinity is present and has been from the very beginning. Here's one that really hits home with me, not only for the nation of Israel, but also for us. We really need to consider this one. Verse 17 through 19. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He calls himself these things because that's exactly what he is. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh, the name that he gave himself, the one who has always been. He is our Redeemer. He is our Rescuer. He is the one who will save us. And he is the Holy One of Israel, the one who established the nation, who established his law. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit who leads you in the way you should go. 
So he teaches us how to profit. He doesn't teach us how to lose because he's not capable of losing. Everything he does for us is good, right? He shows us the right path to go. So everything that he does is for our benefit. It's not against us. Verse 18 really hits hard. If only you had paid attention to my commandments. Wow. It's no wonder that Jesus himself says it is, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? He says this because, look, guys, I'm trying to lead you down the right path. I'm trying to show you the right ways, the righteousness. And yet you are resisting my commandments for your own selfishness. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. What are rivers and seas symbolic of? Well, water flows, and it flows unrestricted. It is life and prosperity in those days. So if you were to do what God told you to do from the beginning, you would be successful. Your descendants would have been like the sand, and your offspring like its grains. And you would have lived in peace. You would never have been plucked out of your land if you had obeyed me. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from my presence. They would never have to face my wrath. They never would have had to go into exile if you had simply obeyed me. Then we go into chapter 49, and this one is really interesting as well. Because basically, almost this whole thing is Jesus Christ, again, speaking for himself. Long before he was born. Because we remember, he was never created. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he has always been there. He was there at the very beginning. In fact, if we say that he is the Word of God... In, just like John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, then we can infer that every time God spoke in Genesis, it was Jesus Christ speaking, because it said also that all things were made through him. So anytime he said, let there be light, let there be the waters separated from the waters, that was Jesus. Jesus said that. The Lord God, who came to earth as a baby, that we're celebrating just around the corner here, was the one that spoke the universe into existence. That was him. And yet, this is what he has to say for himself. Verse 1, The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother he named me. This is very specific. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Right, So often, he can just cut through the nonsense and go straight to the heart of the matter. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me, and he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He was there for a very specific purpose, to pierce the veil. Very literally, he was there to pierce the veil, because if we understand what the Scripture says, The veil is symbolic to the body of Christ, and his body was going to get pierced for the sake of all his that belonged to him. Verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. He's talking about Christ. He came to Israel to show his glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord and my reward with my God. Jesus did not come for no reason. What he did was extremely significant. And the Lord did show his glory and his wrath on Jesus on that cross. So why did Jesus come? It says here, And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. That's why he did it. But again, this version of Israel is not just the nation Israel. Don't forget that 
so often it is synonymous with Christians, because you see later that New Jerusalem is for the people of Israel in the millennial kingdom. But it's not just Jews. It's all that belong to God. And in this day and age, because of the new covenant with Christ, if you are chosen by God to be saved, you are now his child. You are now his people. So you are the new Israel, so to speak. And he expands upon this himself here in verse 6 to make the, help this make more sense. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. So it's too small that you just are coming for just the little nation of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. There you go. Now he's talking about the salvation of the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. It says, The Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one. Who's the despised one? Christ. How often in this world do they hate him? They hated him who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, and they put him on that cross. They reviled him out of jealousy and not understanding who their God really was. He is the one abhorred by the nations. Kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Some will bow, some will not. Some will hate him, some will love him. Verse 8, Thus says the Lord, In a favorable time I have answered you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you, and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people to restore the land to make them inherit the desolate heritages. So he's saying that he came at a favorable time, and that would be Christmas Day, when he came at that particular pivotal point in history. But not only that, but he, when he saves you, that he will keep you, meaning it's not going to go away. And he will give you for a covenant of the people, a new covenant in his blood, to restore the land and to give us, the Gentiles, a portion of that inheritance now. So there's reasons why he's saying it this particular way. Then we see a shift beginning in verse 14 when we see the nation of Israel feel like the Lord abandoned them. Judah has been now been declared to go into exile. And this is what they're going to say, and this is how God responds, and it's so beautiful. Zion said, that God's chosen people said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Absolutely not, and let me tell you how much I will not forget you. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Motherly love is one of the deepest things in the world. And not to mention, if you are nursing a child on your body, how are you going to forget about them? Even these may forget. It's possible they may forget. But I will not forget you. Behold, and this is so beautiful. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. He's written your name down on the palm of his hands. To where this is a constant reminder that it is engraved on God that you belong to him. And this is nothing that could ever be lost or revoked. He loves you so much that he has you written on the palm of his hands. What a beautiful illustration of his compassion and his love for us, how we are truly his children. And oh, it just it brings such joy to my heart when I think of that. I don't think I'm even that good to my own kids, you know? Chapter 50 starts to change directions and it contrasts the servant, who we know is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It starts to contrast the servant with what the nation of Israel was doing in its lack of obedience. 
So you'll see, especially verses 4 through 9, you'll see how the servant gives total obedience to God. Like it even says here in verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. So it's is he prophesying that he's going to have disciples when he comes? Seems so. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So not only that, but Jesus himself was being discipled by God when he was on earth. How often would Jesus wake up super early in the morning, go off on his own and pray? That's when he was getting his discipling done. Very beautiful when you set these side by side. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. He never disobeyed God. He was sinless. And even though he told God, the Father, at one point, he's like, Lord, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. He was afraid. His his humanity was afraid of what he knew he was going to endure. And he wanted to see if there was any other way. He knew, but he still wanted to request that in petition to his father. Remember, he didn't sacrifice any of his deity. If he did, he wouldn't be God. So Jesus knew exactly who he was in his divine spirit. Yet he still allowed himself the limitations of humanity. And that involves the emotions that come with it. I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. That is exactly what he went through. Again, prophecies being fulfilled right here, back to back to back. He was flogged. He was he was whipped on his back. He was slapped in the face. He was spit upon and humiliated and reviled. He suffered all of those things. But yet, verse 7, For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He knew. He knew that ultimately he would be glorified at the end. So that's why he endured it with gladness. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Bring it on. If you got something against me, come to come talk to me. Say it to my face. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Just like the psalm says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. What can man do to me? Absolutely nothing. And then he calls us specifically in three different portions of Scripture coming up here, which is very interesting. Verse 10, Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. This is very interesting language, because if he's calling us to rely on him, He wants us to rely on the Lord instead of being in the darkness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Whoever believes in the name of the Lord will be saved. So we should be that person. Because if not, it says very clearly here, those who do not trust in the Lord, and they rather trust themselves, says that you will lie down in torment at the very end of the chapter. So it's not a good thing if you were to do that. So it seems like the, the verses following would be blessings of some kind, but no, it, it's not. This is what it looks like as a contrast. If you do not trust God, this is what's going to happen. That's one part. Second one is the very beginning of chapter 51. And he's calling our attention here. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. That should be us. We as Christians should be pursuing righteousness. We're the only ones that will. Who seek the Lord. Exactly. And this is what he's telling us to do. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. So what is he talking about here? 
He's talking about where your origins are, and he gives Abraham and Sarah as an example. Look at what Abraham and Sarah did and how they were considered righteous. What happened with Abraham? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed in the Lord. He came from nowhere, worshiping idols, and when the Lord called him, he obeyed. He left everything and left his family and all his heritage behind. Not only that, but since we are now saved by grace through the name of Jesus Christ, we are also cut from the same cloth. We are hewn from the same rock as he was, because we are now God's children. So he's asking us to consider, look where you come from. Look where your heritage is. Follow that example. Follow Abraham's example. Follow Jesus Christ's example and be like him. There's a second time he says this in verse 7. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. This is us. A people in whose heart is my law. That's us. Here we go. Do not fear the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them like a garment, and the grub will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will live forever, and my salvation on all generations. Amen. So don't worry about what man can do to you. Don't worry about humans being against you. They're going to get what's coming to them. It may not be as swift as you would like, but it will happen. God will deal his justice. It will come. You have to be patient for your God. His righteousness will endure forever, but the foolishness of man will not. Do not let it bother you. Trust in the Lord to rescue you and to keep you safe from those harms. And I think with that, that will be enough for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.